Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, and I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M. Ooh, that was so right? suspenseful! Dun, dun, dun. I'm Lorraine Sink, and I'm Marvel's Girl Friday, doing detective adventures as an adult woman calling herself a girl. Yeah, that is... Yeah. Right? Did she call herself a girl, or is it, like, his Girl Friday, my Girl Friday? Did, I think it was he... my Girl Friday, mm. But I'd like to think I'm my own girl Friday. Right. Yeah. You own it. I Yeah. I own my own girlness. Good. Uh, well, if you're just joining us on This Week in Marvel, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We're going to get you stuff that we're hyped about. We've got interviews. We've got uh, things to talk about all across Marvel, from comics to games to movies to television and more. But we're going to start off with two pieces of tippity-toppity news, the first of which is very exciting because it involves both Lorraine and I. Yeah! We are about to host the Red Carpet World premiere of X-Men The Dark Phoenix. It's on Tuesday, June 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, because that's how live works. It happens concurrently at the same time on both coasts, different time zones, math. What do you? What would happen if they change? If they like obliterated time zones? Uh, we would be on that universal time, UTC or whatever it what is. Universal time. It's like that thing. It's the the great guiding principle of time. Someone just explain it to us in the comments. Yeah, hit us up. Hashtag this week in Marvel, please. <laughs> um, but we're going to be interviewing the cast of the X Men films. It's going to be super dope, and we're going to be giving them lots of your questions. So you guys can actually tweet us questions if you have questions for the cast, and we might just use them on the live stream. Yeah, that would be super great. So it's at Agent M, at Lorraine Sink. Uh, you can use hashtag This Week in Marvel, but I think we're going to have hashtags for the actual premiere and all that stuff. All of that is on Marvel.com. Yeah, it's going to be on Marvel.com slash Dark Phoenix Live. Ah. And, uh, you know, last week, me, you, Lorraine, and mm-hmm. uh, James Monroe Iglehart, uh, our other co-host who is not here this week uh, because he is traveling, I think it was a graduation and then a performance. He's a big shot. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, it's vacation season also. Yes. Uh, but the three of us did this epic talk on all things Jean Grey as the Phoenix. So if you missed that episode, please check it out. I think it'll be a really fun uh, sort of look at the character's history and the comics. But there's also going to be a companion piece on that on Marvel.com with links to the comics that we talked about and all that good stuff. And I will say one of the things I love about doing this kind of talk before a movie comes out is if you listen to it, you're going to get some like cool inside scoop on that character. So when you watch the film, you can have it fresh in your brain looking for Easter eggs, which I think is always really fun. Yeah, because the movies are always going to be different. They're always going to have their own exciting things that they're putting on the screen, but they're all always pulling from the source material in various different ways. Yeah. Other top, top news this week is that Marvel's Avengers is on the way from Square Enix. Meow, meow, meow. For the first time since we initially announced the game like two or three years ago, we're ready to unveil some hashtag secrets. Uh, And so, Lorraine, you may say... When and where can we see the worldwide reveal of Marvel's Avengers, Ryan? Thanks for asking, Lorraine. You're so sweet. Uh, Tune in to Square Enix Live E3 2019 for the worldwide reveal of Marvel's Avengers. The event begins June 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific. Reminder, because time works that way, that's 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can watch that at sqex.link slash E3. Get it? Like Square Enix link? Slash E3, kind yeah. of like that. We'll have it? that. We'll have that link in the show notes on Marvel.com and all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I've been watching and 
checking out this game internally for such a long time. It's it's really exciting for uh, for this worldwide reveal to come. Uh, we'll have plenty more about that event June 10th coming soon. But, you know, on the personal front, it was a big week for you, Lorraine. Yeah, I got married. You did. I got married. Ryan came. Did you marry a carrot? I married a carrot. It's from The Simpsons. Oh. I don't know that one. I'm usually pretty good at it. <laughs> I will say I cho-cho-chose him. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, no, I married a human male. It was great. Big fan. Mm-hmm. So far, marriage is dope, you guys. Really big fan of it. Yeah. Find somebody. Love them forever. It's cool. It is It is pretty great. Uh, you're also going to be doing some traveling soon. Yeah. We've got the premiere coming up, and uh, I think you've got some other stuff for us, Mighty Show. Oh, right? yeah. We're doing a ton of crap. It's crazy. <laughs> We are busy. Yeah. Earlier this week, I started the first of my five consecutive weeks of traveling where I'm in the office one or two days per week. And then James is traveling a bunch. And I say all this. I set this up because I just want to, like, level the the field for everybody. We're going to be traveling a lot. The next month and change is going to be a little wild. So the episodes might be a little bit shorter. They might be a little bit longer. We may have extra stuff and fun, cool behind-the-scenes stories. And I don't know. It's just... We're going to be a little bit wild. And I even our uh, producer, Persia, the perturbed one herself, she's traveling. Uh, so we're, who knows who's going to record. It's the Wild West out here. Yeah, it is. But you know what? I think it'll be exciting. Ryan and I plan about once a week to run past each other briefly in the office, high five, and then just keep on going. That's right. Yeah. That's the way we do it here at Marvel. <laughs> Uh, So keep that in mind. Uh, We will not miss an episode. We have never missed an episode. We're going to keep on rolling. Um, But we got to keep going with the show. Our interview this week is with Paul Shear. It's uh, real fun. And he's like a comic book aficionado. He really is. He knows his stuff. Yeah. He's he's a big old nerd. Sweetheart. Very funny. Uh, I love having him on the show. Uh, So we're going to get into that a little bit later because he's co-writing Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History, uh, which is super fun. I read the next issue, which comes out in a week or two. I read that on the plane. But we've got to keep going. We've got so much to talk about, including things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. Yeah, meow, meow. You know what I'm excited for? What's that? Marvel Studios Captain Marvel is available for digital download. It's in HD and 4K Ultra HD and on Movies Anywhere. I really love getting the home release of a film, especially because it comes with extras, deleted scenes, commentary, and all of that kind of stuff. And I just, like, I live for the MCU blooper reels. Oh, yeah. And there's probably going to be some really cool behind the scenes for this because of the scrolls and Goose the Cat and that kind of stuff. So TBD on what's in there. can't speak for it because we haven't seen it yet, but going to be dope. We also announced this week that Marvel's Jessica Jones Season 3 will arrive on Netflix on Friday, June 14th. This is the final season of the show, uh, which you can watch the trailer for right now. Uh, we got to go from uh, Hell's Kitchen-y type area over to a galaxy yeah, far, yeah, far yeah, away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm really pumped about this. I was fully stocking it online last night because a couple of outlets got to go in and um, get behind the scenes. But Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is open at Disney's Hollywood Studios at the Disney World Resort in Florida. And OMGs, it looks so awesome. OMGs, you can drive um, the Millennium Falcon as a ride, apparently. There is blue milk that is probably definitely... Uh, milked from a, a bantha. I want to get squeeze them uts. Also, you know what's really awesome that I was looking at? Um, that a bunch of the the drinks and things that you can get at the cantina 
act they actually like do stuff to your mouth like they'll make your mouth tingle and stuff oh. it is it looks honestly awesome i'm just i'm living for it and chewbacca was there oh. i'm so excited i haven't been able to check a ton of stuff but i saw bobby moynihan friend of of marvel's and wonderful comedian he got to do some stuff it was him and they just had a picture of him and donald Faison at like doing stuff oh down there and i was like i want to be part of that that sound that just looked great yeah i just watched a bunch of stuff from the gma instagram mm. but i am Obsessed. Yeah. Uh, if anybody who listens is able to go, s- <gasps> tell us. Send us some pictures. Send Tweet us some tweets. Me. We want to. We want to know your uh, your actual impressions and, and the fun stuff that you saw. Because I don't know when I'm going to be able to go. I know, and it's going to be summer, and it's going to be busy. So I'm going to wait. Yeah, I will not go to Florida from like March through. Ryan hates September. heat. Yeah, vile, <laughs> nightmarish. <laughs> Uh, but what is not nightmarish is Barry Windsor Smith, one of the greatest artists. And so uh, we talked about his birthday recently on This Week of Marvel History. So Jamie and I put together a reading list slash celebration on Marvel.com because he turned 70 years oh. old last week. It's so rad. You can bask in his glory. Uh, read Weapon X, Machine Man, some X-Men, and Iron Man. Oh, man. They're so fun when they're that age. <laughs> Like little kittens. Is that a seventy-year-old? No, that's no. not how those work. Oh. Um, oh, and how about this? The second X-Men Seminal Moments documentary is. I thought I don't know why that was hard to say. Documentary. <laughs> I'm British. Uh, it was released this week. It focuses on X-Men number one from 1991 by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. The dopest. Yeah, Harry Go put these together. The first, like, they're about ten minutes long each episode. And we're, you know, we're gonna have these. Watch them. Put them on a big screen. You know. Put them on. They're on the Marvel YouTube. They're really, really well done. I'm very proud of Harry and the team. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and then finally, Global Running Day is next week. Uh, and so Lorraine and I maybe will be doing some running stuff that you can find on Marvel social media and Marvel.com. And uh, I will do shout out to Run Disney mm-hmm. virtual series. You can um, you can find it online. And you can run a virtual 5K, and there's a race every month this summer, uh, June, July, and August, themed on different Marvel characters. And you can get a cool medal and a cool racing bib and a lot of stuff, and you can do it from home. Yeah. So it's extra fun. You can do it with your friends. Yeah. It's Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Iron Man, and then a big old Marvel 80th anniversary if you do all three. It's super fun. You can go to rundisney.com slash blog slash rundisney dash virtual dash series. Or, you know, just, like, Google it. Yeah, that's what I would do because I'm lazy. Yeah, there's a lot. Anyway, let's get into our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club reminder because C.B. Sabolsky and I will be putting on our Jinko jeans, putting our luxurious hair up with scrunchies, and whipping up the 90s with Spider-Man. Uh, we're going to have a reading list for this on Marvel Unlimited and uh, Marvel.com, so you can check that out. Really just focusing on some of uh, the greatest artists who worked on Spider-Man in the 90s, some McFarlane, some Larson, some Bagley, and more. And then you'll hear that episode later in June. That line work, though. Whenever I think of Spider-Man, I just think of um, how many lines his suit has, which means that if you're drawing Spider-Man, you're working harder than anybody. It's wild. That's why the black costume was so, like, lo- I think was so loved for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, oh, we just have to, you just know, fill shade it in. him. It's great. <laughs> All right. How about we talk about this week in Marvel history for Marvel's 80th anniversary, Ryan? <laughs> 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 
I did a little meow fui 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 for you earlier. That's good. I noticed. You're it. welcome. Okay. Uh, we are talking about the week of May 31st through June 6th from across our 80 years. We're going to start with June 5th, 1959, because Monstro smashes and rages with a Jack Kirby cover to Journey into Mystery number 54. The Monstro story is by Steve Ditko, and as they say in wrestling, business is about to pick up because. Stanley and Jack Kirby and the art yep. and the comics and got the it. monster. Yeah, yep. okay, you got it. Also, Monstro would be a great thing to name your dog or cat. Mm. So just putting it out there, I'm a big fan of anything that makes it sound like when your pets are play fighting that they are titans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Ricky Purden, his cat is oh. named Monster. Yeah, Monster Fluff Cat yeah. on Instagram. She's so cute. Good cat. Uh, June 5th, 1962. Could this be the most impactful single week in Marvel history? Let's find out. Ooh. We've got one of the most important comics in history released, Amazing Fantasy number 15, which features the first Spider-Man story giving us Peter Parker, Spidey, Aunt May, Uncle Ben, Crusher Hogan, and Flash Thompson. It also features the immortal phrase, with great power there must also come great responsibility. Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, changing the history of comics with Spider-Man. It all starts here. Of course, Jack Kirby on the cover. It is like you Iconic. can't get bigger than that. Yeah. Then you go over to Journey into Mystery with issue number 83, the same day. Wow. Stanley, Larry Lieber, Jack Kirby giving us the first appearance of Thor, Don Blake and the Stone Men from Saturn, aka the same race that Korg is from. Eh, Korg. That's my Korg impression, pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, this is great. Uh and then finally in Tales to Astonish number 35, Hank Pym becomes Ant-Man for the first time. He had first appeared as just like a a weird dude who got small, and now he adopts the Ant-Man persona, and this is by Stan, Larry, and Jack. All of that at the same time. I don't know that That's there's... That's bucket nuts. Right? Honestly, I mean, those are three of our most iconic characters in the same day and same year. That's... What was in the water cooler that yeah. week? Magic. Yeah. Magic. I, I love this early 60s time period. It's like... Oh. Bonkers, bonkers. I mean, also, those two or three years between, like, 61 and 63, everybody yeah. was just coming to life. Like, it's crazy mm -hmm. what was happening in that time. Uh, over June 1st, 1965, we get The Warriors 3, Fandral, Hogan, and Volstag. They debut in Journey to Mystery number 119. Same day, we release Journey to Mystery Annual number 1, which features Hercules, the Lion of Olympus, entering into the Marvel Universe. And then... In Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Two, we get the mystical, the mystical artifact, the Wand of Watum, first revealed. I'm just gonna say that um, I'll save it for off off mic. Uh -oh. I'll save it for off mic. But that that week has a lot of energy in it. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, June first, 1967. The greatest character in comic book history debuts in Tales of Spence. You know Ryan wrote this. What? I didn't write this. This is just factual information I, I pulled from the internet. Tales of Suspense number 93. It's MODOK, yeah. Ryan's favorite character. The greatest cover line. I've, I have this issue. It's on my spinner rack at home. The cover line says, if this be MODOK. What does that mean? I don't know, and I love it so much. It's it's very Stan, and uh, very Jack. Yeah. Oh, and also Jimmy Woo, Agent Supreme and Man of Action, makes his first Silver Age appearance in Strange Tales number 160. He'd previously been introduced in 1956, Atlas comic, Yellow Claw. Yeah. Uh, That's nuts. Why are we not still talking about MODOK? 
Uh, uh, because, greatest. Ryan, there is more to life than MODOK. Fine. Only a couple of things. Fine. Uh, June 4th, 1968, Tiger Shark swims his way into the Marvel Universe for the first time in Submariner number 5. I love Tiger Shark's costume. Oh, I do, too. He's a big, beefy buff boy, too. Uh, he looks so cool. And then Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 4. I believe, is released this week. I didn't put the number on our sheet. Uh, it'll be in the article on Marvel.com. But uh, I think it's number four. It's one of my all-time favorite covers by Jim Stranko. It has since been homaged and referenced countless times. It's the swirly one with the lines, right? The one where he's like, it's. I, it feels, it like definitely influenced a ton of 007-esque Figures. I don't know if it's that one or the one where they're on the blocks where they're oh, on. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Stranko at that time was doing stuff that honestly like, killing the game. He was game. just dunking on everybody. He was yeah. so good. June first, nineteen eighty-two. Wolverine's first solo series, a four-issue affair featuring Wolverine in Japan, also battle- battling a bear not in Japan by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. It all begins. Snick, snicked. It's one of my favorite series. It's four issues. Read that. Over and over again. It's gorgeous work by Claremont and Miller. Also, just read it so that when you read every other comic book, you're like, oh, this is what everyone is referencing every time Wolverine has a story. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, June 4th, 1985. Longshot and Spiral debut in Longshot number 1 by Anne Nascenti, Arthur Adams, and Wills Portacio. Longshot has four fingers. He's got weird little bird bones. I love that because like, he's very light mm-hmm. and his bones are very light. It always... It's just such a weird design. We talked with Anne. Well, Spiral's also weird. She got arms for days. She's got six arms. She dances. She's like Shiva, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Spiral is fantastic. Mojo doesn't actually show up in the series until like issue three or four, but so cool. If you missed uh, the chat we had with Anne Nascenti talking about Longshot and, and other work of hers in the 80s, please check it out. That was a couple episodes ago on the show. June 2nd, 1987, uh, John Walker becomes Captain America in Captain America number 333. It's not his first super identity, and it's certainly not his last. Yeah, it's not his first appearance. Like, he has a lot of things going on. Also, he's such an a-hole. I love John Walker, but man, that guy is a tool. Yeah, he's a gruff figure. Yeah, he becomes U.S. agent later on, but we're not talking about that right now. Uh, I'm going to take this next one, Lorraine, because it's June 6, 2001, which is one of my all-time favorite comics, uh, all-time favorite runs, series, everything starts here in Exiles Number 1 by Judd Winnick and Mike McCone. Yes, Judd Winnick from the real world has written some of my favorite comics of all time, both for us and from some of his own uh, personal stuff. The team is this team of exiles put together by the mysterious Time Broker, who has a squad traveling to different realities to fix problems that could affect the entire multiverse. The team includes Blink from the Age of Apocalypse, Nocturne, who's a daughter of Nightcrawler and Scarlet Witch, as well as different versions of familiar characters, Thunderbird, Mimic, Morph, and Magnus, sort of a Magneto. Uh, Their first mission, deal with a murderous version of Charles Xavier. I love this series so much. It is heartbreaking it is big superhero fun it is like if you take the core of of what if Mm -hmm. and then you give it the best ongoing narrative and deep character exploration gorgeous art and keep it going from month to month it is so good and we revised the exiles Mm -hmm. within the last year or so and had another amazing series that sort of owes a lot to this original but if you've never read it it's on marvel unlimited i can't suggest it highly enough dang Highly recommended. I'll also highly recommend Avengers Academy, June 3rd, 2010. It 
had characters like Finesse, Hazmat, Metal, Striker, and Vale. They're all introduced in Avengers Academy number one by Christos Gage and Mar- uh, Mike McCone. Uh, it's I love, 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 love uh, Metal and Hazmat mm. in this. That is like one of my OTPs from this book. And because of this book, it is, you guys, it's like they can't find love. But then they find love together. It's so nice. You guys, I got married this week. It's so nice. Uh, Hazmat was just in, she's been in Captain Marvel recently, mm-hmm. the comics. But where? where's Metal? Oh, no. You remember what happened, don't well, was you? Was it Avengers uh, Underground? It, it was. Uh, it's, undercover? It's the series that came right after yeah, this where Arcade. Yep, yep, yep. Now it's all coming back. Sure. Yep. They. Cool. You guys, no spoilers, but. Yep. I forgot. Holy crap. That that uh, series will tear your heart in half. Cool, 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 cool. We got to keep going because June 3rd, 2011, X-Men First Class opens in theaters, providing a new direction and a new series for this incredible movie franchise. It's kind of cool that we're talking about the first class and this is the last movie with that first class team Aww. coming out next week. Full circle. Yeah, it's all happening. Uh, speaking of things that are happening, we got to talk about the top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pull List, which include Immortal Hulk, number 18, Star Wars, number 108, Thanos, number 2, and War of the Realms, War Scrolls, number 2. I always have to enunciate that a certain way so it doesn't sound like I'm saying War Scrolls. Like, they're, they're not scrolls, they're scrolls. But scrolls can look like scrolls. Whoa. Yeah. He's a big old paper boy. Oh, boy. You guys, subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you guys get your podcasts, and you can listen to uh, why they love those comics over there with Tucker, my mortal enemy, Tucker Marcus. Dun, dun, dun. If he weren't so nice, we would fight. Wow. Wow. Speaking of Marvel's The Pull List, I just recently read a new issue of Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History, which we will talk about in a future episode of Marvel's The Pull List, but that is written by Paul Shear, who is our interview this week. Paul's great. He was on the show a long time ago, or we did something for EMS. We we did something with Thwip, the big Marvel show Thwip, back right. in the day. Back in the day. Um, where we had him do uh, some sort of thing where we asked him to make up cosmic characters, and it was stinking hilarious. So I think it's really awesome that he's working with Cosmic Ghostwriter now because he knows his like big, weird Marvel characters. You know, I think you guys... When you see his face, you'll be like, I've seen Paul Shear." If you don't immediately know his name, he's in everything. He is in everything. It's I went, crazy. I went to see Longshot recently because mm. Charlize Theron, she's amazing. And then Seth Rogen, one of my favorite movies of the year. But Paul Shear is in the movie and he plays like, uh, like a, a really jerky anchorman. Uh, but he shows up in so much. He's in um, Popstar. Have you yep. seen Popstar? Popstar is so good. Random stuff. He's he was in Fresh Off the Boat mm-hmm. forever yeah. as working at the restaurant, and he's a dang delight. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, and of course he does. Uh, How did this get made? And unspooled two really great podcasts. We talked to him about that stuff. But he and his co-writer Nick Giovanetti uh, been doing some really fun stuff with Cosmic Ghost Rider. And I read the next issue, which has Cosmic Ghost Rider. In World War II, just having the best time killing Nazis. It's like <laughs> the way Todd Nock draws glee on Frank Castle's face as like it's like it's basically Christmas for him. It's so fun. Also, I love Todd Nock's style because there is something like very Norman Rockwell about his style. Like it's like very like cherubic cheeks and like happy nose like cute little noses. And I love that. Yeah. Just Happy happy murder is my fave. <laughs> we need a t-shirt of that for you. Uh, but let's
let's go now to our Paul Shear interview. Hey, Paul, how's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to be in the brand new studios, or brand new to me at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we've been doing it a little while. Last time you were here, we were in the closet. Yes. Uh, doing an episode of Thwip, and I think we chatted for This Week of Marvel a little bit, but yeah. it was tiny. It was very, very tiny. I mean, this <laughs> is like you guys have really become like the Fallon of Marvel. Ooh, yeah, I, I like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, so one of the things we I, I've started doing now on This Week mm-hmm. of Marvel is starting the conversation off by finding out what is your Marvel origin story? Like in the mm-hmm. sense of how did you first like get into Marvel characters or comics or was it whatever what was it that first like clicked for you with Marvel? I kind of feel like I have like the traditional hero's journey to Marvel, except I rejected the call. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, I had one friend who read comic books and he read X-Men books. And this is like kind of the era of like Whedon kind of okay. X-Men. And uh I really got into him, but no one else read comics. And it felt very solitary. Like, even the comic book shop I went to was run by an older guy. There was nobody in there. He sold CDs on one side and comics on the other. (laughs) And so it kind of put me away from kind of really diving in. Like, I had about, like, two years of just really just kind of reading X-Men, popping in on different books. And then when I got to college is when I really started, like, diving in. I feel like... Damage Control was actually like one of the first books. I was like, this is so funny and so weird. And and then that like opened me up to books after books. And now, basically later in my life is where I've really been reading a lot more. Yeah. So that's been kind of a, a fun way to kind of get into it. Because then I don't have to worry about like being able to afford it. I can afford it. <laughs> it. It was great. Yeah. And then the apps have been the best because whatever you're interested in, you can kind of just deep dive in. And when we've been writing uh, Cosmic Ghostwriter, we've been kind of exploring all of Marvel's history. So it's been opening up this world of books that I've like never even like conceived or heard of. And I feel like that has been really amazing. It's kind of a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. We were at C2E2 in Chicago this past weekend, and we were doing a, a panel for just people who are Marvel Unlimited Plus members. Oh, wow. So, like, there's a special level. And so they come in, and we were talking about different books. And uh, Teeny Howard, one of our writers, she's doing a book with Ariel Olivetti. And so, like, my brain just starts going into, oh, these people have the – like, they live and die by the app, right? Yeah. So, like – I always like throwing out suggestions. And I was like, oh, if you guys like Ariel's work, and we were showing it up on the the screen, I was like, oh, you can go check out Venom Space Night, which was really, really cool. And like Robbie Thompson, the writer, was like, nobody read it. And I was talking to him, but I love that book. But you see, this is why I feel like that app needs to be a little bit more curated, like the way that they used to do, um, not Netflix, but um, that cool like movie app that was out for a little bit, Filmstruck. Okay. Like, I, I feel like there should be like some more like you know you should have like a, a front page or a more like if you like this then this like a little bit uh, to help you deep dive, tailored to what you've read and what exactly you like, what 100%. you're you know what you're going after because there is that front page, but I feel like it is something where there's such a wealth of books and for us in going to Cosmic Illustrator, like we were trying to tell stories that we weren't. That you hadn't heard like a million times. And like I feel like that's where you get the good stuff, where you find things that you're like, oh, this is fantastic. It's like a great buddy cop thing between like Daredevil and Spider-Man, and I've never read it. Like I was like, you know, but it's buried down deep. I mean, because it's at the time when, you know, Marvel was putting out like what, like 15 Spider-Man books at the same time, <laughs> yeah. you know. So you just like you could lose track of it. Yeah. Especially at a point where you know, you're a kid. You can't afford to like be chasing down all those books. No, I mean, thankfully back then when we were kids, they were like a buck and a quarter, but now yeah. they're they're a lot more expensive. I know, yeah. And so 
Marvel Unlimited is amazing. Yeah, so you are writing Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History. Yes. Uh, which is super fun. You and Nick Giovanetti. Yes. Nick and I have kind of worked together on a handful of Marvel books so far, and it's been really fun. I mean, Cosmic Ghost Rider, I, I think, is one of the, the best new characters in the Marvel Universe, and it was super daunting to kind of take him over, especially be the first person to take him over because, you know, everyone loves Donnie. We've got to work with Donnie Cates, the original creator of it, and and he was really good, been helpful. Um, but it was kind of fun to find out like, the format that he fits in, you know, because it's it's, it is a relatively new character, and the way we've seen Ghost Rider before Guardians was kind of in a in a really fully fleshed out story. It was like, it was much more of a movie than to kind of break him up and find different angles to him has been has been fun yeah it's really fun so it seems like every issue you guys are diving into different like sort of characters that yeah. he's messing with in, in their history yeah so basically if you don't know cosmic ghostwriter has been doomed to relive all of time over again so he's just basically killing time until he catches up with the now and in that time He's got a lot of knowledge. He's a little bit bored, and he comes across these Marvel characters. Now, I know a lot of people online are like, well, these are just maybe like what-if scenarios. Yes, he is an unreliable narrator, but some of these things happened, and we do believe they have happened. Like, did he mess with the Fantastic Four? Absolutely. Did he and Spider-Man go together? Absolutely. Like, We just don't know how the version of stories gets told. It's a little bit like a Rashomon. So we have um, Frank Castle basically showing up to his house the day before his family is going to get killed. And he's doing something that Frank Castle, as you know, before he became the Punisher, could never do, which is like connect with his family. Yeah. And he is kind of trying to make them okay and, and potentially save them. But will that screw up the entire Marvel timeline? And that's kind of the story. So first book, Fantastic Four. Second book, Spider-Man. Third book, X-Men. Fourth book is kind of a little fun departure. We kind of go into like Nick Fury, more heavy Nick Fury, a little bit of Cap, but it's a World War II book. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is really yeah. fun. And what you were saying about how you're diving into not just like the all-time stories, but like some stuff that people don't always know. Yeah. And I was really excited to see the new Fantastic Four story yeah. that you did with that one. I was like, because that's a, like a, a pivotal one for me as a fan, as a reader. But, like, not everybody knows that specific one. Well, you know, for us, it was trying to find what felt familiar but also felt different. Like, you know, for Spider-Man, we made a really conscious choice. Like, we can't do the death of Gwen Stacy. Like, that's been done so many times. What can we add to it? So we we really were just looking, and, you know, with Fantastic Four, too, like, just to find stuff that would be easy to kind of position that you would get. Because we have a little bit of a mandate, you know, which was, like, to tell, like, four stories from the history of these characters. And it's hard to narrow down, like, you know, the Fantastic Four into, like, four little chunks, you know. Um, But, yeah, it was like, and, you know, Nick, who has been my writing partner forever, has been doing the real hard work of, like, going deep into the books. And, you know, and then he'll pass me books and we'll go back and forth and trying to figure out what are the little chunks that we want to take. And X-Men, I mean, that's been the hardest, like, because... X-Men, they're, they're so soap opery. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, like a book will go on for such a long time. So we really had fun with that. I'm excited for our X-Men book. Yeah, I, I read uh, Spidey this weekend because I get the books a little early. Yeah. Uh, and I had recently read the story where Peter and Mary Jane get back together. Yeah. But like for something else, for some research thing I was doing. And so I'm reading, I'm like, it's just such weird because it's not. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a great issue. It's, you know, a good part of JMS's run, but it's not one of it's 
just some it, almost a random issue. Well, and, and I think what people are finding fun about the books or thinking that we're adding things to it is I know some of these things actually happen. Like Doctor Doom is in yeah. that airport. Like there's 100%. a whole funny runner of Doctor Doom being in this airport. And like we even were joking about the fact people are like, oh, f- he calls himself Uncle Fredo. <laughs> Uncle Fredo is in the world of the Punisher. <laughs> we're just like deep diving. Like we're just unearthing some facts that are out there. And that's what we're trying to do. Like so I think – the line is a little bit blurred for people reading who are coming to it maybe a little bit later, and they're like, oh, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. And it's also like, no, no, if you know, and you know, like, you know that that is real. It's like we're, we're just kind of like, we're telling the real stories. We're just kind of glossing around the edges a little bit. You know what we should do? We should get uh, Tucker, who's my co-host, who's a, a big fan of yours, yeah. uh, to do like a, like a reading guide to go oh, with yeah. each issue of like, here's the issue that we pulled this story from. Here's the fun stuff. And have you and Nick just say, here's why we chose it. Oh, I would love that because, you know, what we've been doing with the artists is we've been sending them all the books. And we're like, here, this is what you should look yeah. for. Because we are trying to create... Not an exact replica of the art, but like we wanted to kind of make it feel of that time, you know, viewed through a slightly different lens. Yeah, Todd Nock is on the Spider-Man issue, and there's a panel of Peter and Mary Jane looking at each other, and it feels like... John Romita Jr. It was just like, yeah. so good. But that's Todd because he's like one of the best. Todd guys. is the best. And I feel like his drawing Spider-Man, he's just oh my so clutch. I love working with yeah. Todd. It's been really good. Cool. Uh, Todd, someone told him he looks like Peter B. Parker from Spider-Man to yes, Spider-Verse. I saw him dressed up. And so now he does that. So Saturday at C2E2, he was like full in character. I love it. Wearing those sweatpants. Yep. So good. By the way. Thank you, Lord and Miller, for creating the best look for everyone for Halloween. I feel like everyone will be that Spider-Man. 40-year-old Spider-Man is the Spider-Man to be. We could all pull it off. Yes. So was your first Marvel work the Deadpool biannual? Yes, where we kind of uh, brought back Brute Force. Brute Force, the greatest characters in history. Evil producer Brandon is like... Not again, because uh, I, I tortured my <laughs> the whole team with brute force love uh, last year. Well, it's so funny because again, m- you know, Marvel kind of not mandated, but they were like, "Here's a fun bunch of characters that would be fun to revisit," and we had to update them a little bit. You know, they were a little bit of a rickety. <laughs> Uh, a little bit? Yeah. yeah. So we had to kind of like go back in and, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't a complete teardown, but it was yeah. a, definitely a remodel of yeah. those characters. It's fun, though. It's like oh, it's I love such a great characters. wacky concept. Yeah. And, yeah. We reprinted that with uh, the power pachyderms. Oh, uh, see, like, that's amazing. Story, which is just nuts. Yeah. It is so fun. Well, to me, like that has been the fun with Nick and I and, like, and getting like tasked with these Marvel books where we don't have to like be creating a new timeline or, or moving forward. We can kind of go backwards. One of the failed ideas we had for Cosmic Ghost Rider, which I still love, um, was we wanted to – we were thinking in our heads, like, all right, so what – he's doomed to relive history. He's been bored for years and years and years. You know, Frank is this kind of a gruff guy. You know, um, Donnie kind of said to us when he was writing him, he thought of, like, Bill Burr. And we're like, oh, we're thinking about what would this character do? And we wanted to make our six-issue series like a big night kind of comic book where it's like he's opened up a restaurant, like a Planet Hollywood-themed <laughs> restaurant where he's stolen all these artifacts of Marvel history. And, you know, and you would have, like, you know, like the laser from the dolphin, like, in a case, you know, uh, <laughs> Professor Echo. Uh, you know, you'd have all these things. That was a really fun for us to have him, like, and we had, like, Dr. June playing piano. He was the musical act for this place. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and so, yeah, we were kind of, like, went head-to-head with trying to figure out how we could do that. And I, that's my one regret that we were not able to do uh, Ghost Rider's, like, Marvel-themed restaurant, which 
There was an I was actual just about Marvel, to ask, yeah. you ever went to Marvel Mania? Yes. So there's like ephemera from Marvel Mania randomly throughout the office. I have somewhere, uh, I may have put it in my boss's office, a Taskmaster framed drawing. It's like a, it's like a headshot of him just like with the the skull mask kind of smiling. But it just That's like amazing. took another piece of art and cropped just his head. But the frame is not a regular rectangle. It is crooked. For some reason, like, oh, we're wacky here oh, at Mania. Well, that was that idea. Like, there's a time when everyone was making, like, theme restaurants. Yep. I mean, it started off here in New York City with, like, they had these, like, haunt, like uh, there was, like, a werewolf one, and there was, like, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. There's Hyde. the Mars one, right? The Mars one. But, like, the original one that was, when I was a kid was here, was just, like, the theme was, like, old England, and they'd have, like, werewolves kind of, like, piped in. But there was no, like, theater show to mm. it. Then Jekyll and Hyde, which is, like, crazy things are talking to you then like planet hollywood it's like and it just wwe had a restaurant wwe yeah it's like it's crazy and now i almost feel like marvel the restaurant would be huge i think we could make it amazing two of the things that you're doing these days are movie podcasts you have how did this get made and Mm. unspooled and you know i want to know what's more fun watching great movies and discussing on unspooled or watching movies of varying quality and goofing on them uh, with or goofing around with them. Well, you're right. Like, so I have two movie podcasts. One celebrates the best and one celebrates the best of the worst. And it's a real – it's tricky. There's things that I love about both of them. I think that at the end of watching a great movie – from the AFI list that we do on Unspooled, you feel good. You're like, oh, I feel cultured. I learned something. I saw something. I opened my mind. I watched a silent film for the first time. I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm full. I never feel badly after watching an AFI movie. I mean, there's not movies that I always love, but I feel smarter for it. And I feel like that's been kind of the fun thing about Unspooled. It's, it is like, uh, for people who listen to how this get made, it does cleanse the palate. And I also feel like it's like a little bit like uh, in the off weeks because how this get made does it every other week. So unspooled every week. So you can kind of uh, always have an episode uh, ready to go. Fair. Uh, I also love your co-host for How Did This Get Made. You know, Jason, oh, Jason of course, Manzoukas. he's been here. He's a friend. I yeah. love Jason. And your wife, June Diane Raphael. Yeah. Amazing. And I especially so her perspectives on the movies. The My best. wife and I listen to, we only listen to How Did This Get Made together. So oh, like, I love we, that. Like, she was like, you can't listen without me. I love Even it. though we haven't watched all the movies. Yeah, no, you don't have to watch the movies for How This Get Made. As a matter of fact, I recommend that you don't. <laughs> like, we're trying to save you time. But yeah, my wife, June uh, Diane Rayfield, who is on Grace and Frankie and in this movie, uh, Long Shot with Seth Rogen and uh, Charlize, she's hilarious. And I think June comes from it in this point of view where she is not into, like, quote-unquote, like, nerdy shit. Like, my wife has never read any of the comic books. I was just going to ask. Okay. No. As a matter of fact, like, she got upset when I, I started uh, I Love All In, which is, like, this – or not All In, like, this new wrestling federation with, you know oh, – All uh, Elite Wrestling. All, yeah, 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 yeah. All I Elite didn't Wrestling. You're a wrestling guy? Uh, a little bit okay. of a wrestling guy. Like, so I got into All Elite Wrestling. I love, like, the Young Bucks and Cody and everybody. And I started going to those shows and going to, like, Reseda to watch, like, you know, independent wrestling. Yeah. It's so much fun. And June's like, you can't tell me about this stuff. I, I don't want to hear it, and I can't hear it. And it's like, so like, she doesn't watch my Marvel movies with me. She doesn't like, and it's it's a real separation of church and state. So the closest I can get is bringing her over to that. So when she watches these things, her whole point of view is so different than Jason and I. I mean, Jason and I are, you know, we are the John Wick fans. We are the Fast and Furious fans. We are up in it every day. And you know, the Marvel fans. I mean, Jason and I are like, you know, huge comic book fans. Like. Yeah, like June, like 
I was like, hey, look at this new book. It came out, and here are all different covers. And she's like, cool. You know. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that she is not a fan. No, yeah. I think that's good. Have separate things. Yeah. Uh, what are your favorite Marvel movie moments? Marvel movie moments. Oh, wow. This is a... Uh... It could be anything. It doesn't have to be MCU, because I know... Yeah. I, like you, big Punisher Warzone fan. Oh my gosh, like, it was so good. Well, I feel like Punisher Warzone by Alexi Alexander really captured like an interesting version of the Punisher. And even though it was a little bit sanitized, she came on our podcast and talked a lot about how what she was trying to do versus what the studios would let her do. And so I'm really curious to see how that kind of continues to evolve a little bit. Like I, I think that like Jessica Jones is like one of the most adult. Marvel shows, which I kind of really love. Like, that first season was really great. But for me, I'm like, I think in this last batch of time, I, I really do believe that Avengers Affinity War is one of the best superhero movies ever made. Like, because it captures everything you want from a comic book. It doesn't lead you in. It doesn't give you backstory. It's like, here we are. We're in it. Let's go. It feels like a comic book event. And I've never felt like that. I feel like they always are, like, spoon-feeding you. And what I love about Spider-Man Into the Universe... Uh, into the... Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Sorry, I always forget the title. That movie was fantastic. And I, we talk about, like, what will be on the list of, like, the best movies of all time to come. I believe that Into the Spider-Verse is going to be a movie that people talk about. It revolutionizes animation. It tells a story that we have told so many times and makes it uniquely interesting and fascinating. And I really also enjoyed Captain Marvel. I had a good time at Captain Marvel. I thought that, like, I'm curious to see where it goes. I feel like they did some really fun stuff. Anytime you can get more Samuel Jackson in the mix, I'm down. But I'm also really curious about how the Kree and the uh, the Skrulls kind of come into this because... I feel like they're setting up, you know, it's again, I feel like Marvel's always about like, you know, 10 steps ahead. So this is like laying the foundation. But this last year, I mean, Black Panther's in that, Ant-Man and Wasp is in that. It's a fun thing. And you know what? I like Tom Hardy as Venom. Bring me some more Tom Hardy as Venom. So much fun. It's so much fun. And I think like that idea, like, I mean, the dream of dreams is to get you know, to bring over, like, the X-Men and do it the right way. I mean, that's what that's what we all really want. I'm curious if you can actually do Fantastic Four as a film. I, I think if anyone can, it's Kevin and his team. Like, right. I think Kevin Feige and the Marvel Studios team, they know what they want to do some way, I'm sure. Right. And there's no one better to do it. And that's what I kind of come to, the, you know, the, the conclusion of every single time it's they find the right person to execute that vision, you know? And it's sort of like, what I found so fun was, I, I wasn't very versed in Black Panther. Like, that wasn't a book I read that much, but I was doing this movie with Reggie Hudland. And Reggie, you know, I didn't realize that Reggie wrote so many of these <laughs> books. And I read, like, all of Reggie's run of Black Panther. I was like, well, this is amazing. Like, and it is, it's, I think what Marvel has been doing in publishing for such a long time is, like, finding the right voice for the right characters mm-hmm. is what they've been really great about doing in film. It's like, who can tell the story the most effectively? Yeah. You were mentioning Endgame. Uh, like last year, I went to visit Russell Bobbitt, who's the prop master for. Uh, I also had to visit Rus- Russell. Yeah. So you get. And they had finished wrapping the two Avengers movies. Yeah. And so he starts rifling through a box. He's like, all right, do you want to do something with this? And it's props from Endgame. And I'm like, Russell, we can't. And he's yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. Here's this. And what about this? I'm like, it's just like so fun, so cool. So basically, for those of you who don't know what we walked into, it was one of the coolest things ever. It is the warehouse kind of from like the end of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's 
this gigantic warehouse, but instead of things in boxes, they're all kind of laid out. And it's, you know, from neon signs to weapons to, you know, everything but costumes. It's all, everything that you've touched in a movie is there. It should be a traveling museum. It really should be. And because it was, they were shooting, you know, they were shooting simultaneously Ant-Man, Wasp, uh, and both Avengers. So, like, literally everything was out. And it was, I mean... It was like utterly jaw dropping. Yeah. And Russell being a genius, a master craftsman and the nicest dude in the world is so like just like he makes it so easy. And to think here's a guy who's overseeing all this stuff. I mean, granted, he's working with teams, but he is responsible and knows all these details. Like, I mean, I went in and saw how like the special watches that Tony Stark wears that are shipped from like, you know, Germany and Austria, you know, and they're, you know, more money than you know, this whole studio costs, you know, for a watch that will be in, like, one scene of a film. And it's amazing to see, like, the you know, the miniature groups and everything. It, it's, it is, I mean, it, that was, like, a dream come true. To even hold the Captain America shield. I will say, you know, Thor's new hammer. Like, Chris Hemsworth is, we know that he is not a human man. Like, <laughs> he is something spectacular. He's truly Asgardian. And, and that hammer, just to hold it as a normal mortal, is hard. So when you watch him in that movie, you're like, whoa. Yeah, right, yeah he's really done it. Totally. Uh, I want to get back to comics a little yes. bit because you, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about you co-writing with Nick. How does that work for you guys? Because I talk to a lot of creators. Um, you know, the process can be very solitary for yeah. a writer or even an artist. And it seems also even with like co-writing teams. Everybody has a different way of doing Absolutely. it. What is it for you guys? Well, so it's kind of interesting. Nick and I have worked together for such a long time that we would do different things for different books. This book, Cosmic, Nick has been doing a lot of research and then kind of pushing forward the first draft. And then I will come in and then I'll kind of maybe move stuff, talk about stuff. We really have a, an interesting fluid relationship. In the past, like, I'll do, like, the first five pages. He'll do the next ten, or the next five, and then, then I'll do the next, like, we kind of pass off. Sometimes I'll do the first draft. It kind of is whoever feels that they have, because that, that initial launch is the hardest thing. Is like, setting the tone. So there are certain books where I'm like, oh, I think I understand, like, the story here. So I, let me set this up. Or, you know, I always find that I'm a little bit better in the first act issues of, like, here, I know how to set up this problem. He's kind of a little bit better in the middle points. So... We kind of just kind of talk and deliberate. But what I love about Nick is, you know, Nick's knowledge runs from when he was a kid. My knowledge runs a little bit differently. Like I came into it, like I said, more in college where I really like deep dove into these creators and being like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm following these creators. You know, so much so that I wouldn't read a Thor book. But then when Jason Aaron's writing Thor, I'm like, of course I'm going to read that. You know, it's like the same way like Venom was never – my thing until like Donnie, I'm like, oh, I like this character so much more now. So, you know, I'm still kind of being open to the world because I think I was a very like simple, I was Fantastic Four, I was X-Men and Spider-Man. Like, you know, like I didn't like dip into, you know, Captain Marvel's been interesting to kind of read right now. So I'm just kind of like going to find different, you know, different people lead me to different places. Yeah. C.B. Sobolski, our editor-in-chief, said this on uh, at C2E2 is like, there's no he and he was relaying a story from Ralph Macchio, who was a longtime editor. Is like there's no bad characters. It's just like they just have to have the right story written for them. And so yeah. once you discover that story, like Nick Spencer has written this uh, story about the Gibbon, who is like a D level Spider Man villain. Right. 
But it, everyone who reads it is going to be like, this broke my heart. I wish we had more Gibbon stories. And right. it's just like, you can make it. That. Well, that's, I think, the fun thing about Marvel and the way that the books have kind of grown and, and gotten bigger. Like, I mean, look, the Meet the Scrolls is amazing, so right? Good. So good. And it's like, you know, you're essentially like doing the Americans. At, like, And I feel like they've opened up this world. And maybe it's even from, like, was it the Fantastic Foes of Spider-Man? Or, Superior no, Foes. Uh, Superior Foes. Yeah. Like, like, it's like, oh, you're able to tell these, like, interesting, weird stories now. They don't have to, like, what I, you know, one of the books I fell in love with, not a Marvel book, Astro City was like a book that was like, oh, they're telling stories about superheroes in interesting ways. Yeah. And that's what I feel like Marvel as a company has kind of started to do where it's like, oh, you can kind of go off, off here. Like the Vision book where the family, I was like, that's Oof. one of the Oof. one of the best run. I was like, wow. Like, yeah. again, like taking a character, putting like real life stakes to it, like telling the story, like that that was one of my favorite books. Comics uh, are amazing. Uh, they are absolutely fantastic. And it's like and what I think I love about them is finding them and letting them feel fresh after you've been reading them for decades. And I feel yeah. like that's something that Marvel does that no one else does. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh you know, we had someone on this week of Marvel recently, uh Black Monday writer and actor Yasser Lester. Oh yeah. Uh, he was here and you know, obviously he's a big Marvel Huge, fan. Yeah. Fantastic. It's wonderful. Do like when you're on a set, do does your spider sense just automatically go off? Like, oh, here's a fellow geek, or do you ever talk about comics with other people? Well, yeah, I mean, Yasser was like figuring out like that Yasser was a comic book fan was amazing because I was working on, I believe, Cosmic at this point, and he was like, "What? You write comic books?" I'm like, "Yeah," and so we were just geeking out about that. But it is a it's a weird thing to find out, especially now with the like how popular Marvel is. Like, Marvel isn't just a comic book anymore. It's like, it's Netflix shows or formerly Netflix shows. It's upcoming Hulu shows. It's movies. It's it's everything, you know. And so to find out that someone likes comics, it's a smaller, it is a smaller grouping. But when you find that person, and that's what I kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning, like the, the idea of like really recommending. Like the best books I find now are through everyone telling me, read this, read that, yeah. read this. And it's, you know, whether it's connecting with people online, whether it's, you know, I, I, I don't always read the reviews because I feel like that's very personal. I, I always wait for the personal recommendation. And, sure. and that's, that's really fun for me is like to find like you got to read this creator and then you go down that rabbit hole of one creator. So, yeah, um, it's definitely I feel like there's two secret worlds in the business I'm in. One is fans of Howard Stern, and the other is fan <laughs> of Marvel comic books. And oddly, those two cross over in a major way. Uh, we're going to wrap up soon, but I wanted to point out, because I was looking at IMDb, it yeah. says you're writing a Galaxy Quest movie? Yes. No. So, not a movie. Uh, we're going to do it for TV. Whether or not it gets made, I have no idea. Uh, it's been something that we've worked on for a while. So, basically, the idea of Galaxy Quest, the TV show is twofold for me uh, to a continue the story of Galaxy Quest, but also introduce it to a new generation of people who aren't that familiar with it and appealing to that same group of people. Like when I saw it, I love Star Trek. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. So I was like, I love all this because it's all this jokes of Star Trek. I'm like, well, we have to update that. And I kind of felt like using J.J. Abrams' Star Trek mixed with like Guardians. Like I want to appeal to what we know now as sci-fi. And my pitch when I got the job was... You know, 1999, when Galaxy Quest came out, sci-fi was a very, like, niche kind of thing. Like, people were at convention centers, but it wasn't packed. Now, 2019, you know, you go to Comic-Con, people are sleeping overnight to get to the Marvel panel. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, to get to, you know, whatever, even Twilight. You know, so it's like, like sci-fi 
is like the most important thing right yeah. now. So it's like we have to make something that acknowledges that. And so I thought it would be really fun to make our new a bunch of actors A-list actors. Where in the first movie they were kind of like failing like B-list actors. Like I felt like this would be really great to kind of, you know, same problems. You know, they're going to have the same issues. You know, maybe we'll get it made. Maybe we won't. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm but hopeful. at least I got to write it. I got to spend a year working <laughs> on it and writing it. So I got to live in that world for yeah. a year. Why I brought it up is because I'm not a Star Trek fan. Okay. I didn't grow up with it. I like JJ's yeah. movies, but like I love that movie. I thought it captured like the feeling of the subculture and then like yeah. the excitement that we as fans and all kinds of fandom have. And yes. I think that is so interesting. It's the perfect comedy movie. It's a perfect sci-fi comedy movie. And you don't need to know anything about Star Trek. Yeah. It, you just have to like, it just basically, it, you're right. It's a fan movie. It's a fan movie. Yeah. And it's made, it was so fun. Paul, what else are you working on? What else do you want to plug? Well, uh, Black Monday show on Showtime, which I'm currently on with Don Cheadle, uh, Regina Hall and Andrew Rannells. We are up to our season finale. We open the season with a big question. Why did the stock market crash and who killed themselves because of it? And you will find out the answers to both of these questions in our finale episode. It's been like a crazy season. My character, Keith, has been compromised by the SEC. I've been wearing a wire the last time you checked in on me. Um, And the fun thing about this show is it's a full comedy. It's, you know... uh, it is fully like jokes like the TV show Happy Endings because it was co-created by David Cass. We wrote that. But it also has like the elements of great serialized drama that we all yeah. love. You know, the Better Call Sauls and Breaking Bads. Like every week changes the, the game. And when the season ends, there are some big consequences and I have no idea what's going to happen. That's exciting. Yeah. Have you been able to get any uh, secrets out of Don? Uh, you know, it's so funny. Being on set with Don, War Machine, I'm dying for secrets. <laughs> That guy is more tight-lipped than anyone. And I don't want to be like a nerd and be like, hey, what's about this? But he, I think, it, like, I believe that he fears that there's someone, like, in, on set, like, undercover to bust him. He doesn't say a word. I mean, the twice while we were shooting this TV show, he went back to shoot uh, Endgame, you know. So, you know, he's there, but nothing. Nice. Nothing at Good. all. Like, I don't even know that was a doing test scenes right there. Yeah. 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 He Don, is the best. Trust him. Trust him. He's no Tom Holland. <laughs> uh, awesome. Thanks, Paul. Thanks so much. Big thanks again to Paul Shear for coming into the creative space and recording with us. Uh, just he's the best. I want him to come by all the time and just talk comedy and fun. Yeah, he's a solid, solid good time. Yes. And so speaking of solid good times, it's time for our question of the week. And we were just thinking about it. Why don't we have you guys answer the question of the week being, what is your favorite X-Men movie moment? And so I I would look at that as being any of the core X-Men movies, any of the Wolverine movies, any of the Deadpool movies. you got a lot to choose from. And there's some really great stuff across all those. I I think for me... It'd be tough. Like, I, there's a lot of great moments in, in the Deadpool movies that I love. Logan is just incredible. But I, having recently rewatched the movies, X-Men 2, there's the scene where, the, uh, where Stryker and his forces are infiltrating the school. And Wolverine, he starts to hear things. And then he starts going into, like, almost, like, berserker protector mode. At one point... He, like, fights the dude in the kitchen, and he just, like, stabs him right into the, the fridge. And then, like, two minutes later, you have him leaping off the balcony, and he just guts two dudes and then guts another two dudes. Full Wolverine action. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's so good. 
We are so different sometimes. <laughs> I think I'm going to I'm I'm going to just say one the first time Kitty Pride ran through a wall mm. and I was like Kitty Pride like I just had that moment like so genuinely in the theater. That's in X-Men 1. That's so like it's like within the first like f- hour of the movie. Yeah, I like was so excited in that moment. Yeah. Um, and I was just like a little baby Marvel fan at that point. Also, the film Logan, or as I call it in my brain, Old Man Logan, uh, feelings. Also, my husband, because I have one now, um, <laughs> is part of the Writers Guild, and they send you a lot of scripts. And we got the script for Old Man Logan. It's really cool. Oh, man. It's well done. Wow. Wow. Well, those are our picks, and we definitely want to hear your favorite X-Men movie moments. Use hashtag This Week in Marvel on Twitter. Let us know what you think. You can also email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com and send us a message on the Facebook to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. All right. With that question of the week out of the way, it's time for community. We've got two emails to get to up top. First is from our friend Jason Kim, who says, Dear Ryan, Lorraine, and James, aloha from Hawaii. And he says to James, James, welcome to the podcast. You have an incredible voice. If the format of the show changes where you, James, have to read Shakespeare every week, he's all in. Shakespeare is, uh, Billy Shakespeare's public domain, right? Yeah. I would listen to James read the phone book. He has such a beautiful, baritone like, like delightful, delicious voice. I would also, also I do this week because I'm losing my voice. Hello. Uh, And then number two from Jason, he says, a shout out request. May ask, can you do a big shout out to Dragon's Lair in Hawaii? They celebrated their fifth anniversary last Friday, May 24th. Lucas and Randy are the awesome store owners. Of course, big shout out to Dragon's Lair. You know, we love hyping up the comic shops out there. Yeah. Aloha. That means hello, goodbye, and I love you. Does it really? Yeah. Oh. Very cool. Thank you, as always, for the email, Jason. He finishes by saying, mahalo for doing the podcast, and please continue to have fun making these awesome episodes. We will. Thanks, Jason Kim. Next up from Samuel Lang. In answer to the question of the week, my favorite Jean Grey as Phoenix moment was this, and it has Dark Phoenix, and she says, Hear me, X-Men. No longer am I the women, the women, the woman you knew. I am fire. I am life incarnate now and forever. I am Phoenix. That's just my artistic interpretation. You're welcome. Uh, She looks creepy and awesome at the same time. Agree. She does. I love this, the costume. I love just the symmetry of her first moment in the green and the yellow. Mm And she comes up and she says, you know, I am fire. I am life incarnate. I am Phoenix. And then here she is full heel turn. Her costume has changed. She goes dark Phoenix. So badass. I also love the art on this because the friend of her sort of in shadow and she's almost backlit. And the only red from her costume really see is the outlines on the mm. side because the front of her is all darkness. It's dope. Yeah. Real good stuff. Uh, all right. Karis Pollard sends us a tweet saying, by a narrow margin, her This Week in Marvel of the Week is again unstoppable wasp. Nadia and Bucky in the same book is always going to be a winner. More seriously, a great science message and a buildup that leaves me wanting more right now to see how it all ends. I love, I love, love, love Nadia Van Dyne. What a, what a great character. Also, to this day, that issue where she asks Janet, can I take your last name? Ruined. 
again. <laughs> just in a good way. In a great way. Just I'm like, no, it's so nice. <laughs> I'm a happy crier. Um, all right. Next up, we have Robert at Captain Rogers 44 says, Cloak and Dagger is the sleeper hit we never knew we wanted. I've always been avidly recommending many more Marvel shows to friends, but this show continues to prove that it defies expectations and categorization. It's so much more than what you think it might be. I have to say this season, I mean, last season was also phenomenal, but the thought that goes into it, the music is outrageously good. The storyline is beautiful. They did so much research into real life human trafficking. I think it has a beautiful message of the change in the world that we could be making and and helping people. And it, every week I'm on the edge of my seat. It's such a good show. And I don't just say that because I host the Marvel After Show at marvel.com slash after show that drops every single week right after a new episode of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. I say that because that show is dope. Right on. I, I was going to ask you to tee up the after show, but you did it yourself because you're a pro. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, all right. We have a tweet in here from Lance Presley. He says, y'all leave H&M alone. <laughs> leave H&M alone. I hear it more like that. Yeah, perfect. Lance says, I have a new baby niece. I wouldn't want her ever dating someone like Gambit. And if you're being honest with yourself, you wouldn't want anyone in your life doing that either. Yeah, he's he's um. He's a piece of work. Yeah. Uh, I did see, I think it was Jen Bartell. No, no, it, was, it might have been Babs Tar. <gasps> yeah, Babs drew that great yeah, workout picture of them. Sexy, sexy. as <laughs> hell workout picture of Gambit and Rogue. I know Woo! they were doing like pull-ups together. It yeah, was they like, were. ooh. They were pulling something up. Whoa. All right. Next up, that one nerd, Ron. He tweeted, absolutely love This Week in Marvel podcast number 395 with Lorraine Sink, Agent M, and James M. Eigelhart. Those Marvel trading cards really brought me back as it was kind of my origin story. I had some of those and classmates would bring them in. Learned a lot about Marvel characters that way. The funnest. Yeah. Anyway... We got to get rolling because you're about to see a movie. Yeah, I'm going to see a movie about death and rebirth and fire. I already saw it. No spoilers. I know Ryan this morning was like, do you want to you, you want to know stuff? And I was like, I don't know. Do I? No. You got to see it fresh. I'm going to see it fresh. Uh, and you guys will be able to see X-Men Dark Phoenix June 7th. Watch the premiere where we will be hosting on June 4th. And we'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.